Welcome to the Rogue Boys podcast. This is the In Conversation series. Um, wanted to have an open dialogue, long form discussion regarding you know the previous couple of weeks. Those that have followed me on social media will see that I've been pretty outspoken about the NBL One Women's League issue that it's reared its head over over the last couple of weeks. As I said, um, regarding biological males or, or transgender athletes participating in that league, and I guess the problem with social media is it's very short. Uh, it's a very short hit to get your point across. Uh, it more often than not leads to to insults and abuse. And this is why and where podcasts are perfect in my opinion. So first off, I want to welcome a special guest, Catherine Deves. Um, Catherine Deves is a woman, a mother, a woman, most importantly, uh, a mother of three daughters, resides in Sydney's Northern Beaches with her tradie husband, founded Save Women's Sports Australasia with women in New Zealand to fight for a dedicated female-only sports category for women and girls. Unsuccessfully ran as a Liberal candidate in Warringah in 2002 federal election. Practicing lawyer, media commentator, speaks up for the sex-based rights of women and girls, families and children, and common sense. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's great to be on your podcast. Well, yeah, We before we get started, there's a bit of an elephant in the room that I want to address. Um, after... On Instagram, I received some condescending rhetoric from Annalie Maley, who's a, a WNBL player and um, very outspoken for what we're talking against, if that makes sense, and has an NBL-funded podcast. Um, I received some messages publicly via her stories last week that I needed to be educated from my old-school way of thinking. She used the inclusive terms, trans women are women, all that kind of stuff. So I engaged in some dialogue with her after this, after, after we went back and forth a little bit and I said, you know, like I had my, 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 my back and forths and then we, we got in the DMs and she suggested that um, via her stories and the DMs that we should both get on an open forum and have a discussion. And I was like, great, that's awesome. Like I, we disagree, but this would be fantastic. I can hear your views, you can hear mine, we can have an open discussion about it. And then I obviously realized that I'm a man. So I was like, it'd be great to have a, a woman on the other side of the coin, so we and I would kind of play more moderator. Um, so I, I organised this. Uh, and Lee, obviously, having her own podcast, I have my my own podcast. We agreed that we would both use the 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 interview as we see fit in our own forums. No problem with that. Um, release the liability. So I organised with Catherine to come on um, today, and then we were trying to get Annalie to just confirm a time. And I reached out to Annalie finally after a couple of days and not hearing back. She said she'd get back to me in a few days. I told my wife on the spot, I said, I guarantee you she's going to pull out of this. Um, and that's what happened. A few days later, I hadn't heard back again. So I texted and said, look, I need to confirm with Catherine. I'm trying to schedule this. Uh, we want to do it on Friday. And this is what I received, Catherine, just just, just so you know. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to pull out of this. I'm going to focus my energy elsewhere. I hope you can find someone else to have this conversation with. Some of the people from your page have taken it too far and have shown up at my house, gotten my phone number, and I don't think it's safe for me to have a conversation with you on that platform anymore. Thanks again, but I can't. Um, so that's whether you buy that or not, I'm not sure. I hope there's maybe police report form, but that's that's kind of what we're dealing with, Catherine. I try to have an open discussion and get people on from that side of the argument and I just am struggling to do it. Oh, Andrew, look, we've been in an era of no debate around this particular issue. Um, you know, people say that it's, it's very toxic uh, and so on, but it just reflects how 
the discourse has become so impoverished these days. People are not willing to go onto platforms where they disagree with someone and just have a respectful debate, express their views, um, and even if they decide to agree to disagree at the end of it, at least everyone's been able to to speak their speak their mind. Um, and you know, who knows when you have these debates? Sometimes you might find that someone says something that piques your interest or you go, yeah, actually, I do agree with you on that a little bit, um, but it moves the argument forward. And, you know, how can we be a liberal democracy if we if we cannot just keep talking? But, you know, the minute we stop talking, the minute we refuse to engage with people, um, you know, we're in real trouble. Totally agree. And that's that's why I love, I love long-form podcasts. There's numerous ones out there. I feel like the, the mainstream media has a side of, of most arguments and will push a narrative, but it's only a, a minute clip or it's only an article of a thousand words. And, you know, even reading some of this stuff, which we'll get into shortly with the NBL One Women stuff, the the basketball journalists that covered it were only getting comments from your yeah, Anna Lee Maley's. They weren't actually, you know, I've encouraged like the old school trench coat, cigar smoking journalists, like, where are you? Go and interview these NBL One <laughs> girls and women Anonymously, of course, you can't have their name quoted because it's obvious what happens to them and we'll get into that later as well, but nothing on the contrary and, and that's where these these long-form discussions are important, but um, that's much of the issue too. I mean, many many people, we see Annalie Maley and and, and her, her comments and people that agree with it, we've seen that all over the media, haven't seen anything contra and it makes you believe if you're reading a newspaper or seeing this article, it's like, well, everyone's for it. All the girls, a few girls from WNBL have spoken out. What's the big deal? But then when you dig, many people who are against the against this happening are scared to speak out. They're very, very scared for being shunned by their coaches, being shunned by a few of their teammates, being shunned by you know people within the club, uh, admi- administration, which we've learned basketball Victoria, we're basically talking down to girls. And, and that's a very, very dangerous precedent. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. And I mean, this is a bit of a complicated debate and people have very short attention spans um, these days. But one thing that struck me with what you just said then is, you know, these women who are so willing to participate uh, in their own oppression. Um, so I don't know if they're a combination of, you know, true believers. They're so indoctrinated into to be kind to their own detriment that they are willing to support policies uh, that actually harm them and harm other women. Um, you know, and seeing sort of these elite players going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm fine with this. But then when you get down to, you know, grassroots level, when you're standing on the sidelines of community sport or at the school gate, by and large, parents do not agree with this. The girls do not agree with it. Um, but as you pointed out, they're terribly afraid. And you do try to push back, you know, Parents don't want their kids to be kicked off the team, and and that is what is happening. They don't want to be shunned. And like with say with basketball, even within my community, um, there was some parents who were pushing back on the female only uh, sports competition, and they wanted confirmation from the local basketball group that 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 was for biological females only. And they were saying, "Well, look, sorry, but we can't." Um, discriminate on the basis of, of someone's gender identity. So we will allow um, boys to who want to identify as girls to play in the female category. And then on the flip side, I heard of a mother whose daughter was, she's an absolute sports superstar. She'd been playing with these boys from very young in basketball. She wanted to continue, even though she was now at 12 years old, which is 
in our federal law the age by which you can start uh, differentiating by sex. Um, and this young girl, who's very much a tomboy, wanted to continue to play with the the boys, and they said no on the basis of her sex. So girls are being, you know, sort of double discriminated against, um, banned on the basis of their sex in the boys, and then the boys are allowed to play in the girls on the basis of a perceived female gender identity. So it's like <laughs> girls are sort of being smacked down um, from both sides. Um, it's really quite extraordinary. Yeah, no doubt, and and you know. Some people, some people say, well, you know, female sports aren't that well supported. Um, you know, the crowds aren't great. But I think sport at a junior level for male and female is so important um, that, look, the end result we're working on still in this day and age of trying to get support behind female sports and, and all that kind of stuff. But what, what sport teaches you, I'm a firm believer in this, is, is you know, especially team sports is – you know, you gotta you gotta work with someone you might not like. You gotta you gotta pass the ball to someone you might not agree with. You, I've been on teams where I've had teammates where we disagree politically, but we have to put that aside to, you know, the greater good of the team. It's teamwork. It's failure. It's it's okay. We're winning now. How do we handle winning? Do we gloat? Do we uh, are we get do we get overconfident and not practice as hard that next week? And then vice versa. We just got our butts kicked. Do we put extra time in? All these values translate directly to adulthood. And what you're saying is with, with these things affecting girls, if we see young females now pull out of sport because whether their parents don't want them involved or whether they're uncomfortable with having males in the change rooms or on the field, that's a huge net loss for society, not just sport. And the same goes to, 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 to boys' sport is what I always tell you know young boys when I coach them or young girls is this, these are life lessons that you need to learn and have bumps in the road to better yourself as an adult. And it feels like if girls are dropping out, that's that's not a good thing for society. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, that assertion that girl sports is not as important, I mean, that is just not true. I mean, I have my three little girls, they play a huge range of sports between them. Um, in my community, you know, sport is massive. Um, it's, a you know, the whole community is down there at the soccer fields or the netball courts or on the beach for nippers um so many parents particularly dads are involved in their in their girls sports but um you know anyone who's interested in this area knows that we have a huge attrition of girls when they hit puberty because they start to be um you know ashamed and and embarrassed uh, of their bodies changing um and so on and so forth so we need to retain those girls and if we're denying them role models by Putting forward like these situations where you have like just in this this week in Italy, there's a 60 year old man who's been in the women's sprinting and he's just cleaned up. I think it's about eight records in, the Masters, in Italy. Yeah. So these girls are seeing, yeah. So they're, they're seeing a mockery. What their sports are being mocked by allowing these sort of mediocre and aged out males to be held up uh, as role models. Um, so they're opting out. And you know, furthermore, with like life's lessons, it's also the health and mental health benefits for the rest of your life if you're competing in, um, if you're involved in community sports. Uh, for example, if you can get a girl to compete in sports beyond the age of 14, that has benefits um, for reducing her rate of uh, breast cancer later in life. We know that the majority of women who are C-suite executives in Fortune 500 companies in America, they come from a competitive sports background. So it's imperative that we ensure that our girls uh, feel safe and supported and that they have appropriate role models so they don't drop out of sport when they hit puberty. Yeah, without a doubt, the health the health benefits speak for themselves. Uh, we saw that during the 
you know, the pandemic and the lockdowns of, of some of the government policies with, with kids and obesity and, and even adults. You'd see a lot of, I don't know if you experienced this, but you, you, you know, had some meetings once the world opened up again and you're like, whoa, you put on a bit of weight, you know, and look, not a bad, not, not saying that in a negative way, just saying people were sitting at home eating and, and Zoom calling and not getting out and being active as much when exercise was banned in some states. So it definitely um, mm-hmm. is, is huge. But moving on to this, just, just to, to give some background for the listeners, um, the handling of this, uh, the reason why I, I came out and said something, I had some 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 girls and some parents reach out to me anonymously and, and say, look, are you aware of this? There's a you know a potential athlete um, that's six foot three and very athletic, I believe a former state level volleyballer as a male who's who's applying for trans, to, to play as a transgender athlete in the NBL one women's. And I said, no, I'm not aware of it. Well, it looks, it looks like it's being box ticked and approved, um, blah, 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 blah. So I, uh, I put out a tweet and then a, you know, a shitstorm started um, to use that to use that word, and and what I kind of felt was I thought I think basketball Victoria because their season starts the first of April, they flagged it with captains and coaches, flagged it. They didn't give them any input. They flagged it with captains and coaches and said this is what's happening. We're going to let you know. Blah 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 blah. And I think they were just going to let it run its course till the season started. Have this uh, athlete in question play. And then just be like, well, it's too late. Sorry, like it's already happened. Bad luck, right? Um, so by putting that that tweet out, it started a, a firestorm. And and uh, Greg Jeffers, who is the head of league and competitions, and Nick Honey, the Basketball Victoria CEO, they, they then re-met with players. And the first thing they opened with was the how disappointed they were that it was it was leaked. That was the first thing. So that's already raises alarm bells. <laughs> they didn't take into account the concerns of the girls. But anyway, there was a meeting with these girls. Many of them had told me one 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 of the girls had sent me a kind of a rundown of how the meeting went. I posted this on social media. This girl then received calls mm-hmm. from her club CEO that Basketball Victoria called them and and were 99% sure she she was the leaker. Threat, threatened her, all this kind of stuff. Called me and I said, "Look, if you're if you're really concerned, I said you've got you, you're clean. You know, I'll pay for your lawyers. I will help you. You know." But she was so scared that I took down the posts based on that because I didn't want her affected by it. And I understand that I told her when you know when I when I when I post this, I'll, I'll protect you if something happens. So I, I was to my word and I took down those posts. And a lot of people were kind of frustrated with me for that, but I I gave my word to the girl. I then. I then basically put everything in my own words. And, uh, you know, if, if basketball Victoria wants to come after me, so be it. So anyway, moving on f- from that, they have a meeting. Um, so some girls had basically said that they were, they were ghastly from the start. They said the clear tone of the meeting from the start of it was we don't want questions and, and kind of you will agree with our decision. Um, well, this was supposed to be an open forum for girls to voice their concerns, for asking questions. How does this work? How does that work? Um, many players that then relay they believe the meeting was a box tick and a decision had already long been made. We then found out that Greg Jeffers had allowed the athletes to already play in a practice game uh, numerous weeks before without notifying anyone in the league, not notifying even the club they were playing against until a few parents were like, hang on a second, is that, is that a boy playing in the, in the women's league? Oh, no, 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 it's been approved by, by Greg. Um, we then... The girls will then further grill uh, in the in the meeting. They grill the um, the higher ups, and they find out that there's no there's no finalized policy. Catherine, there's there's absolutely no no policy. They get told that oh, it's a work in progress. Um, some women had concerns about touching or rubbing up against the penis in live play. Uh, Greg stated that you cannot ask what's between someone's legs, and basically the women finished by saying that this was absolutely not a forum 
for, for us to raise our concerns. And I heard that and I was like, that's just, that's absolutely dismal. Um, just to, 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 to gaslight the females in this meeting to not even be able to ask questions. And, and they were kind of shamed to even, even come up with, with suggestions or how does this work or how does that work? There was also a question asked, what if there's a athlete in the future that's six foot nine and a hundred kilos uh, where somebody, one of the higher ups replied, oh, well, obviously we wouldn't allow that because you know, that, that put the girls, some of the, some of the athletes safety in jeopardy. Well, it's like, well, what's the cutoff then? Are you then discriminating against height? So basically the policy is, is a train wreck and they, they, they didn't know whether they were coming or going. And unfortunately the girls are the biggest ones affected by this. But the gaslighting is off the charts. And part of the policies that do get put forward um, include sort of privacy provisions where you're not to ask. So even if it's very clearly male in front of your own eyes, you can't you can't push back. And obviously, uh, as we've seen with these girls, uh, they'll, they'll get shamed and shunned um, and e- excluded for that. But, I mean, bodies play sport, not identities. So to sit there and, and pretend that the fact that this person doesn't have male genitalia, and we know that there are women in sport who, who don't want to go near male bodies. And it's not just trauma, but culturally, or there might be, you know, religious reasons, etc. So then those girls um, get excluded. And as we saw with the Leah Thomas fiasco, like Riley Gaines has come out publicly, and I think it might have been her, but saying that, you know, Leah Leah is a six foot three heterosexual male with full intact male genitalia. And he was in the bathroom um, stripping off. And the girls were distraught beside themselves. And there's nothing that they can say. So, I mean, in my view, that's essentially you know, allowing these males to commit, you know, arguably indecent assault on these girls and these girls have no right of reply anymore. These sorts of policies remove the right of women and girls to say no. It removes our right to consent. And, you know, the National Basketball League uh, and I think Basketball New South Wales and a number of the other states are signed up to a program called Pride in Sport. This is an initiative of the Australia, uh, sorry, the AIDS Council of New South Wales. They are heavily government subsidised. Um, they receive substantial government funding from the New South Wales taxpayer, uh, millions and millions uh, a year in a special ministerial grant. And the purpose of Pride in Sport is to lobby major sporting organisations to displace the category of sex. Um, and replace it with gender identity. So also within the policies that they push, this extends to like change rooms, toilets, overnight accommodation. Um, And part of the policies is that you cannot question that. Uh, The gender identity and sex of any player asserting uh, that they want to play for the opposite sex team, uh, it can't be questioned. And as we're seeing in practice, if someone does raise concerns or raise questions. Um, usually these policies are a fait accompli. They've got no uh, right to challenge it. And then they are shunned and then they are called, you know, transphobes, bigots, homophobes, you know, racists, all the names under the sun. Uh, if they try to say, look, you know, sports categories need to be on the basis of biological sex for very good reason. Um, but here we have, you know, New South Wales taxpayers funding policies that are allowing men to simply identify as a woman and and come into uh, the change rooms and come on the field, come on the court. And women and girls are no longer being able to have the right to say, we don't consent to this, we don't want to be around these male bodies, we no longer have the right to say no. 
Hundred percent, and and I've I've spoken about this a little bit the last couple of days, and people think it's conspiracy theory, but there's a lot of government funding, especially you've mentioned New South Wales. This is happening in Victoria too, where basketball's receiving you know 150 million odd over five or six years. There's um, the DEI diversity, um, equity, inclusion programs, and the Pride in Sport that come along with that. So the government's funding this stuff and saying, hey, you better have these policies for this funding. And this is why there's a big push from basketball, Victoria, and, and and numerous different sports are in the same category, that the government's holding out a carrot saying, we'll fund your program or your facility or your junior grassroots, but you got to put some government mandated policies in, which is what they're doing. And that's why there's a lot of people that are stuck, um, that, are, that are, I know for a fact, there's people in basketball, Victoria, basketball, Australia, there's people that are against what's going on, but they're like, ooh, we can't really say anything because we've got government-funded um, money coming in for facilities and you're just like scratching your head at the detriment of female sport where we've been, you know, the past five, 10 years, it's empower women and and we should be proud of our women in sport and we, we need more facilities for them and we need this to, yeah, but a male, can, a biological male is okay to go in their space. So I, I hear I hear, I hear your pain. Um, I think it's, the other thing also that I failed to mention in this NBL1 um Fiasco, Catherine, is there's, there's there's girls that are 15 or 16 that play in this league, um, mm-hmm. you know, because a, a team like you know Team X might have a really good junior that's 14, 15, and like, hey, we're going to put you in the seniors on 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 you play in your junior league, but we're going to put you in the seniors, and you might not play a lot of minutes, but you're going to learn from the older girls, and it's a bit more physical, and it's great for their development. How does that work with a biological male walking in and? And potentially stripping naked in front of a 15, 16 year old girl. I mean, there's there's a play that some people have said around the age of consent laws in different states and, and countries and places around the world, which could definitely fire up in the future. Yeah, we seem to have this mass cognitive dissonance going on. Um, I, I find it very interesting that now that women are really achieving sort of equality in sport, they're getting a lot more funding, a lot more airtime in the media. Um, and, and all of a sudden, now you have all these blokes wanting to identify as women and play in women's sports. Like, for instance, uh, with the cricket pay parity, the, the week that that was announced was also the week that Cricket Australia start, announced their uh, gender identity program, um, which allowed men to then all of a sudden play in the female category. So, you know, what a um, what a coincidence. But you know, when you look at these young girls, uh, I mean, you would agree that basketball is a contact sport. People can have very, very serious injuries. And we saw the evidence that came out of World Rugby a couple of years ago that showed that, you know, women and girls have, um, I think it's a 20 to 30% increased risk of serious injury if they have to play against male bodies. So you've got a 24-year-old, six foot three, 120 kilo male Playing up against a 15-year-old girl, I mean, we know like concussion is a hot topic right now. Um, women and girls suffer more serious concussions at lower impacts with worse outcomes and longer recovery times. So how is this going to play out when women and girls actually start getting seriously injured? Because it is going to happen and I, I dread to think it's going to take some poor girl having her whole life derailed by a life-altering injury or worse, before our bureaucrats find their backbone and actually say, no, we need to have some boundaries and we need to have some limits. Sorry, but these men and their identities cannot trump the safety and also the privacy and dignity of, of girls in sport. It's just, it's a nonsense. I cannot believe it's gotten as far as it's gotten. 
I'm right there with you. And and just to touch on that, that you're saying that you know eventually this is going to happen where where you know a girl gets a or a female gets a horrendous injury. I'll, I'll read you a text that I got from from someone who reached out to me on Instagram, and I posted this and. Um, thank you so much for speaking out. I'm a female footy player. I've been playing for the last 10 years. I've had various knocks and bumps over the years and that's fine because all the girls are basically my size or a little bit bigger. Fast forward to 2022, the fittest I've ever been in my life. Trans players were allowed to play in our league and one particular team in Victoria loves to stack their team and actively recruit trans athletes. I have no problem with trans people being a lesbian myself and under the umbrella or whatever it is. First game against this team, I got tackled the fuck down by a six-foot trans player built like a brick shoot house, hair under their arms, hair up their legs, ruptured my ACL and concussed. As a result, my footy playing days are over. There is no way I'd get back on the field with a team that has trans players. And it's actually so sad because I because I'm under the guise of inclusivity, being under the umbrella, and I could not even express my feelings about it. So thank you for being the voice that I can't be. There's an example right there. And, and I've received numerous of these messages, not, not, to, not as graphic as that one. I mean, ACL and concussion, that's 12 months uh, minimum. And we know that females are more predisposed to ACL injuries just because of hip placement and, and all that kind of stuff. And like you said, now you're, now you're introducing someone who's much faster and much stronger and much fitter you know, but that's that that's that hit me in the face, and I'm just like, wow, like, and and I've both people think that's a lie. Like, I've this is confirmed that it's this is a legitimate message that I got, and it's it's very, very sad and goes to your example of what could happen. It's already happening, Catherine. Yes, we've seen examples, um, particularly overseas. There was one, uh, volleyball high school volleyball, uh, a male smashed the ball into the girl's face, and she has been left with a severe concussion she has been left with brain damage uh there was also an ice hockey incident um you know i've also heard first person testimonies who have come to me a woman you know sort of masters community soccer she was a victim of domestic violence she had a male on the other team run full pelt into her and she she was flat on her back felt like she'd run straight into a brick wall she tried to ask some questions and now she's uh left the league so when we see you know they're promoting this as sort of inclusion but this inclusion actually means exclusion of women and girls and where are the girls going to go they don't they don't have another category that they can identify into but it seems to me you've got these blokes who are either like aged out they're mediocre they're men who like to transgress women's boundaries we have some examples like say Fallon Fox the MMA fighter Mm. who has gloated all over social media saying he wants to you know bash women up and punch chefs or words to that effect you know, men who like it transgressing women's boundaries and are happy to go in there and just smash women because they can. And I have no doubt that, like, at some of that uh, sort of where, where the sport is entertainment, that, you know, some of the organisers are probably, you know, going along with this because it does get huge following. It does get lots of clicks um, seeing that these women have, you know, the proverbial punched out of them. Like, it's it's absolutely shocking. And, and you're right. It's women are already being injured and self-excluding. And and then money comes into it, but you know, there's there's this argument from people that are pro this that oh, no one's going to go to the extreme of transitioning just just because it's, they really have an issue and they they need to be you know we need to include them and trans women are women. I I disagree. What people do for money as well as an outlier, like people go to jail for fifty thousand dollar fraud, <laughs> right? For years, right? So are you telling me that you know a male who's a washed up college star or a washed up kind of semi-pro guy and he's like, okay, I'm going to transition and I can go and make a couple hundred grand in WNBA. I can go and make six, 700,000 in Europe. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it for a million dollars a year. And, and th- that's just a small example. But 
I guess the the message and the reason for doing this podcast is like all the people listening, and I hope you know young girls listen to this and and parents is you're not you're not the minority. You're not in the minority if you if you think that hey I don't want trans males or trans female I don't I don't want biological males in my you're not the minority you're the majority and the media is kind of very one sided on this issue which is a whole other topic don't feel like you're you are a Nazi or a bigot like put those stupid insults aside I, I think it's going to take a little bit for the the girls and the women to also say no that's enough and we're seeing that in the US now um, I know with the Leah Thomas issue there were many girls that refused to stand on the podium when Leah was the, the gold medalist or the, or, the, or the finished first, there's a bunch of sports now that have uh, sporting teams, sport, female sporting teams that have refused to play against teams so much so. I think there was a basketball team in the States that's now been banned from their competition because they refused to play against the team with, with trans males, which in, in itself is going to be a court case for the ages. But I guess the message for young women and, and girls and, and, and just people in general is if, if you're against this, it's okay to say you're against it and we need more people to come out and say you're against it because it is the majority. Unfortunately, it's the silent majority part that's probably hurting the cause a little bit to this extent, but we understand why. We understand the rhetoric. Most people can't face probably the barrage that I do. I'm not sure if you get a barrage online. I'm sure you do at times. Those insults don't bother me. They, they kind of, it makes their argument mute, but there's a lot of people that that can affect with, with talk about mental health and, and being abused and whatnot. But I guess I just want to re- reiterate that you are the majority if, if you are against, if you are for having female spaces for females. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's been polling done here in Australia, also like US, Canada, uh, the UK, et cetera. And it shows that overwhelmingly, people support a dedicated female-only sports category. Even here in Australia, I think it was majority Greens voters. So when it comes to sport in this broader trans debate, um, people are very much on side. But it it certainly doesn't help when we see our sports leaders, like Kieran Perkins. I mean, he came out and said that there was going to be human carnage if men weren't allowed to compete in the female category. And, I mean, I would say to Kieran that, all right, mate, if you had to race against a man when you were at your peak of swimming and he was doping, so doping we know gives about an 8 to 10% performance advantage, you wouldn't have won. You wouldn't be sitting there getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars as CEO of Sport Australia. Like You'd just be nobody. But you're expecting women and girls to compete against a male who have anything from a you know 12% speed advantage all the way through to I think it's, I want to say like several hundred percent advantage in say punching power so when i know like the conversation is changing say in the united states where they're pushing through bills to protect women's sport etc but it seems here we still have a lot of our sports leaders who are they're either craven they're either they're brainwashed or they simply don't care about women's sports even though they pay lip service to it and i have heard that behind the scenes a lot of them are sort of going along with the trans narrative simply because those activists make a lot more noise than we do. So, you know, I think this is where the silent majority needs to start standing up and pushing back um, in whatever way they can. Um, You know, say, for instance, Claire Chandler, who's a federal senator, she put forward the Save Women's Sports Bill that was going to clarify the federal legislation. So, obviously, with the Liberals uh, not in government, that has been shelved. But... I anticipate that that will be reintroduced at some point in the future. So that's where local people, like ordinary people can contact like their local MPs. Let them know 
how they feel. Send an email, like ring them up, let them know that this is something that is important to you. That's all it takes, five minutes, and show our legislators uh, who then in turn allocate the money to the sports bureaucrats, show them that, you know, the Australian people do care about this and they do want to see girls' sport preserved for, like, women and girls. Yeah, I I think people are scared. I I think these people that are pro this, uh, that are in positions of power, um, they're either scared of the activists being shamed on media or socials. Um, There's funding, money, money plays a part. There's funding from government for their sport or their position in sport. They want to be part of that that the whole guise of inclusivity, and I've I've seen this firsthand. I've spoken to people over the years about this issue coming to the forefront, and some of these people that I've spoken to behind closed doors, I won't name them, but they're in they're in prominent people in media, prominent people on talkback radio, prominent people in positions that people listen to them for advice. Their views were completely different to me personally than they were on air, and I've caught a few out personally via, via text message because of it and it comes down to, oh, I didn't know that much about the issue back then or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, no, you're selling your soul. Like you're, you're scared, you know, you you have to say that because you're on air and I don't know where we've, how we've come to in a point in society where it's controversial to say like women's spaces are for women and, and female sport is important for females and, you know, we should protect that at all costs and that that's somewhat shamed a shame to say but touching on what you spoke about just recently with um doping i've I've got some somewhat some data here there's an argument you know that people say oh well if you've if you've been on on testosterone blockers as a male that you know fair is fair when you go into women's sport well one example i'd give is i'm seven foot 120 kilos so i could technically go on testosterone blockers and, and 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 get under the threshold probably within six months i'd guess six to nine months i could then go play WNBL next season but I've still got the muscle mass of 120 kilo man. I'm seven foot tall. I'm, you know, strong bones, big bones that are fully developed. And that goes to this point. So reducing testosterone in adulthood is not sufficient to rectify the advantages gained by long-term higher testosterone exposure during puberty. This increases satellite cell fusion, uh, raises overall growth potential. This can never be equalized even if you reduce testosterone later in life. There is data showing even one-time use of steroids i.e. high testosterone, confers long-term muscle-building advantages even if someone never uses it again. So that's just one time. People born male just have a higher top end for strength and hypertrophy. Uh, let's look at the at the, the best male versus female lifters at approximately the same weight class. The top 76-kilo drug-tested females uh, lift powerlifting total is 1290 pounds. The top total for the best 74 kilo male lifter is 1742, 1742 pounds. It's a massive 450 pound difference at the same body weight. So it is a massive advantage. And, you know, to say that someone at, at 25 on, home, you know, testosterone blockers is, is a, it's no advantage if they transition is just absolutely not true. And I know we're stuck in this tricky realm of like, you know, males and females, it's, we're all equal. Some things aren't. You know, I see it with, look, I see it with my wife and I, right? Like I'm a bit hard on the kids at times and a bit more of that male figure where they, they need to kick up the butt. And then my wife's the opposite and it works so well, but but she's got qualities that I, I don't have. I've got qualities that she doesn't have, but it works well to raising our children. And I think that's where we're getting lost in this whole debate we've had over the last 10 years about equality. Yes, we want equality. We want equality when there's job hirings and we don't want any discrimination for male or female. 100% agree. But males and females aren't equal biologically. 
And, and, and that's now controversial today to say. Well, I mean, testosterone is a wonder drug. <laughs> Let's be honest. It makes uh, you men bigger, faster, taller, stronger, uh, more aggressive, uh, all of that. And, you know, as a as a heterosexual female, I'm five foot seven, so I suppose I'm quite tall for a female. Um, but, you know, I love the differences between men and women. Um, you know, my husband, he's six foot three. He's an ex-cop tree lopper. He's 100 odd kilos, so he's quite big for a male. Um, and, you know, no matter what I do, how hard I would train, uh, all the rest of it, even though he's 10 years older than me, he is still far stronger than me. He can lift heavy things. He moves, fight, like all of that. So, you know, they're just differences um, that we are never going to un- overcome. And to pretend that, you know, just by suppressing testosterone, you're going to be, you know, equal to women. I mean, women are not a hormone level. There's 6,500 different gene expressions uh, between men and women. And the testosterone advantage starts accruing uh, in utero. Six weeks after conception, a male fetus will get a big shot of testosterone. You'll get a big shot about six weeks after birth. And that continues throughout childhood. And obviously, it manifests at puberty, as we all see. Um, but anyone who's been around children can see, by and large, you know, there are differences between boys and girls, not all of them and not all of the time. Um, but as you pointed out, you know, boys are more inclined to be aggressive. Girls are more inclined to try and work together. They're more interested in people. Boys are more interested in things. I mean, that's that's obvious to all of us. And I think in trying to achieve, you know, equality, as you rightly pointed out, um, we have, you know, equality of opportunity, equality in access to resources and academia and jobs and things like that. We've kind of, uh, you know, forgotten that there are biological differences between us. There are differences between our psychology based on 2 million years of evolution. You know, 50 years of queer theory just can't simply, or, or feminist theory, can't just simply override those differences. I mean, they're they're inherent. And it's not to say, I'm not saying, you know, women, oh, well, you need to stay at home and look after the kids and be in the kitchen and men, you will go out to work and be the breadwinners. Um, but I think, you know, in losing that we're sort of genetically predicated to do certain things, it's actually doing a great disservice to all of us. I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's, I think there's there's pros and cons of both both males and females that have positive qualities and negative qualities. And I think, we all have to work together to move forward. Now, you you were on a few. You, you went to a few rallies over the last week. Uh, there's there's a lot of news coming out of the Victorian rally uh, where, quote unquote, Nazis showed up. I've got my views on this as do you. I'm, I'm I'm not sure, you know, why they even showed up. Um, I think it's there's people questioning whether it was, you know, agent provocateurs, whether it was people from certain groups trying to d- diminish the Let Women Speak rally, which it kind of did in the media. The media just went straight with that. I also found Andrew's Daniel Andrews' rhetoric, which I'm not a huge fan of, everyone knows that, but rhetoric around this event, he stated that the event was essentially horrendous before the Nazis even turned up, Catherine. Um, but you're familiar with these rallies and, and, and what went on and what are, you, what are your thoughts about essentially being grouped in with a group of 15 absolute morons walking around with a Nazi salute um, with the Let, Let Women Speak rally? I would like to start by saying I utterly condemn neo-Nazism. Uh, these young men throwing the whole Hitler salute, uh, you know, quoting Mein Kampf in their online groups, apparently absolutely condemn it. It is disgusting and it has no place in our society. Uh, those young men 
showed up to hijack a Let Women Speak event. Uh, they have said as much um, on social media platforms. Uh, they've been interviewed saying that. Uh, they clearly had the blessing of the police coming to cross our cordon um, and to go up there and throw their salute on the steps. And I might add the police told us we couldn't be on the steps for safety reasons. Uh, so those men were there to make it all about themselves, to hijack our event uh, and to also clash with the extreme leftists who were there, the socialists who were literally waving red flags. So we had the, I mean, you say neo-Nazis extreme right, but, you know, the National Socialists, they, they came out of the trade union socialist movement in Germany over 100 years ago. So it's basically sort of almost like extreme left versus extreme left. We almost couldn't even tell the difference between the two. But you'll note that the women's rally, we weren't doing catch cries. We weren't yelling and screaming into loud hailers. We were actually handing a microphone to a woman who was given several minutes to speak about whatever she wanted to speak about. And in all the fallout, there's been very little attention on what some of these women were saying and it was everything from, you know, their work being impacted, domestic violence, FGM, Indigenous women. There was a Maori woman who spoke. You know, none of that's been reported on and there's a lot of talking about us uh, but very little talking to us or asking us for our right of reply and, you know, we've been lumped in with the neo-Nazis, even though we had nothing to do with them. We had no, we, we didn't share a platform. We're not allied with them. We didn't even know they were going to show up. And when they did, like the, te- the tension in that environment on Saturday was so high. It was 36 degrees. It was very hot as well. People are more inclined to write when it's hot. The police were very stressed. Police forces were being assaulted by the socialists, um, they were getting underneath them and punching them in the belly to spook them. They were assaulting police officers. They were throwing liquids on us. They were encroaching into our space. And I might add, we were the only, the women were the only ones who'd bothered to organise a permit and liaise with the police. We, you know, that was all done by the uh, women organisers. The others didn't have a permit. They didn't have any right to be there. Um, and they showed up and then it became all about them. And then afterwards. You know, this disgusting, arguably defamatory rhetoric that came from a variety of political leaders uh, was appalling. It was just a, you know, and even with the Liberals um, denoun- in trying to denounce uh, Moira Deeming, they absolutely played into the hands of the extreme left. You know, I call on Pursuit to have actually stood up for Moira, actually listened to what Moira said. Um, she is a Maori woman, the first Maori voted into the Victorian Parliament. She was talking about the experience of a Maori, oh, sorry, of a Muslim woman who was being impacted by gender identity ideology um, and saying she felt that she had less rights in this country than the country that she came from. No one reported on that. No, like, no one was reporting on the facts of what was happening to women. It was just, uh, you know, simply an, an attempt to smear us. And look, I give them credit. They did a, they did a pretty good job. But had nothing to do with the Nazis and I implore anyone who's interested to actually maybe go and listen to what some of the women said go and listen and and make up their own mind and and look at the footage and see if they can see any crossover between us and the neo-Nazis because there wasn't there was nothing Totally, and I posted one of the videos from one of the one of the women that spoke for about six minutes. It was absolutely sensational. Um, I was a big fan of how she went about it, but it's it is a good tact by 
the extremists, I think also your point about the extreme left and the extreme right, I think they're so extreme that they've both both circled and are touching each other. They, they, they both they both go about things exactly the same way. They the way they kind of take over other rallies and protests and throw things and I think the extreme right and extreme left, which is which is hilarious in a way because extreme left's supposed to be against the extreme right with the, all the all the ideologies and the way they go about things. They're they're, they're almost the same. They're touching each other, but um, I guess the smokescreen was worked by the activists because, like you said, there was not one discussion about any of these things that the women had discussed at the at the rally. None of that made the media, which the media should be ashamed, by the way, to not even cover that event with you know shouting out the concerns of these women and why they're having the rally. Maybe interviewing a few of them. Hey, why are you here? Why? What are you concerned about? None of that in the media. It went straight to align with Nazis, then as you said, the politicians then jump on board and then it's it's a complete smokescreen. It takes over that, that that rally ends up being, I wouldn't say it ends up being useless, but from a media point of view, it doesn't get the attention that it was that was desired. And and that's, uh, it's just unbelievable. I can't believe some of our, you know, esteemed journalists and politicians couldn't see through this to say, hang on a second, let's go and ask the organizers of the Let, Let Women Speak uh, rally, uh, who, who are these Nazis, why they here? Nothing to do with us. Okay, let me quote that have not seen that anywhere. I just saw, you know, the first photo you see in the paper is let women speak rally, Nazi salute and pretty poor in, in my opinion. But moving on from that, try to be solution-based for sport for the sporting part in general. Um, look, I already know, I know a few CEOs at certain clubs. This is a pretty funny one that have been asked to remove urination troughs out of male toilets to be more inclusive. So that's just a little hilarious one for you. But solution-based, is it is it as simple as, Male category, female category, and third slash other slash everything else category. Is that is that the solution for the future of and the sanctity of at least female sport? My interest is in the women and girls. So I all I want to do is protect their category. Um, you know, and, and if these others want to start their own category, that's fine. But I would like to add that in I think it was the uh, New York Marathon, they had a non binary um uh, category and of course it was won by men. So, so someone suggested, well, maybe we need to have a an AMAB non-binary and an AMAB oh no AFAB non-binary meaning assigned female at birth, assigned male at birth. So even when they have a, a trans category, they recognise that it's males who are going to win. So, you know, but if they want to go and start up their own categories and fight for a third space in their own change rooms. I mean, that's fine. I'm, I, I would never stand in their way. But as long as they don't take resources or space um, away from women, um, you know, I mean, maybe that's the solution. But I think, you know, whenever that gets proposed, it's like, oh, no, 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 we, we want to be in with the women. So, you know, th- this isn't about um, them being able to play sport. This is about them being able to transgress women's boundaries and, in, and intrude. Uh, into our spaces, and I mean, you know, like talking about the men's toilets from removing removing the troughs. What are you going to put in there next? Like sanitary product dispensers or bins? I mean, it's just that's already happened in the US, Catherine. Nonsense. There's already there's, already, there's tampons in the male toilets in many places in the US, California, and a few other places. Uh, the progressive states have you can access tampons if you're a male. What a waste! Because I can just imagine if it's a high school or something like that, they're just going to end up being, you know like strewn all over the room or thrown yeah, on the ceiling or, the or like yeah, it's yeah. just it's just ridiculous i can't believe we're at at this point 
Yeah, it is interesting. I just, just, I mean, that's the only solution I really have is that one. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out like how, how else can we, you know, protect the sanctity of female sport, have you two categories, a male and female. And then the third, as you said, will end up being 500 categories because there's all these different subcategories within the category. But I think that then helps, you know, at least you've protected the sanctity of female sports. But I don't really see any other solution. Like, I mean, they're, they're going with this testosterone level testing and that, that just doesn't work. As we stated earlier, it, it, the data says it doesn't work. Um, now, we, we, do, we do have kids that now are, are transitioning at an early age. It's a whole, whole, whole separate discussion, um, which we won't get into too much, but that's that's horrendous in itself, in my opinion, at eight, nine, ten, year, 10 years old, um, you know, changing, changing their... Um, you know their sex and, and cutting off their their penis or, or or getting one sewn on, which is just crazy. But moving on from that, some some decent news this morning: World Athletics has banned biological males. Um, we've both read about that. The quote was, "We'll prioritize fairness and the integrity of female competition before inclusion," which was very very interesting. But not we're not there yet. The further quote, as you continue to read on on what was said, was, "We're not saying forever." adding that a workshop group headed by transgender persons would be created to further monitor scientific development. So it's a stop right now, which is a positive, Catherine, but there's still some kind of questionable wording in their statement. It's a very positive development. And when Will Rugby did their uh, guidelines, you know, you look at the three principles of inclusion, fair competition, uh, and player safety. And in rugby, they prioritise player safety because it's such a dangerous um Dangerous sport and then comp, fair comp and then inclusion. So obviously here with World Athletics, they've decided to prioritise fair competition for women and girls. And what I would say with the categories, we need to have the dedicated female-only sports category and then the other category should be open. And I'd like to add that the sort of the male category has always been open essentially. It's just that women and girls cannot compete to the same level as males for uh, the, the obvious reasons. But if World Athletics are going to be entertaining transgender voices, they also need to be entertaining equally and giving equal, if not more substantial weight to women's voices because we've heard in some of these um, sort of roundtable discussions, I know it happened here in Australia, where they're talking about transgender inclusion, they, they didn't even really invite the women. And there was one woman, uh, Deb Lovely Ackerson, who has competed against a um, male pretending to be a woman um, in weightlifting. That was Laurel Hubbard. And Deb brought up all the issues that she faced as a weightlifter, uh, which was menstruation. So she said, effectively, I lose a quarter of my preparation time for the Olympics because I'm menstruating one week out of four. I have to amend my training plan because I'm more susceptible to injury, I'm more tired, etc. She breastfed, she was pregnant, she was postpartum. And the people at the round table hadn't even considered those impacts on female performance and female training. So if World Athletics are going to be entertaining trans voices, they equally need to be thinking about women's voices. And what's interesting is that you know World Athletics have done this and it's an essentially a non-contact sport. <laughs> That's the irony <laughs> in all this. So I wonder if we're going to see, you know, the AFL, the NRL, Basketball Australia, um, all the governing bodies in Australia follow suit. I've got a feeling they're going to it's going to be a little stalemate in Australia to see which league does it first. But hopefully it does start a bit of a domino effect to protect the sanctity of women's sport. I think it's, you know, it's long overdue. I think a lot of the, a lot of the backlash coming out about you know the Italian sprinter. Um, there's been other athletes over in Europe. Those videos being posted and people kind of being like, "What the hell's going on? This is not right." I think they've they've seen that and done their research um, at least behind closed doors and anonymously with their athletes and got the feedback that 
in that article said the overwhelming majority was against, but none of those will come public. Um, I just want to finish with some feedback from some listeners and some people on socials um, just to give people a feel for what's going on. After after my post on, the, on on Twitter on on the on the issue, so people that are against my views, Catherine, they're, they're, this one message works for pretty much every person that's been against what I said. Uh, you are a Nazi. You're a bigot. You're a transphobe. You are not educated. Um, you need to be reeducated. So that that works for you know a few hundred messages that I've got that are against me standing up for for biological female uh, biological females and against biological males going into those spaces. So you can. You can see see that that's pretty cut and dry, but here's here's just a few positive ones which I just wanted to read out. Um, thank you. I have a 19 year old daughter playing for Club X. I'm not going to name it in the NBL One South Comp, but she was so relieved when you came out with your tweets about the transgender athlete. She definitely feels strongly against this, as we do as a family. The work that has gone into her becoming an athlete, she is now and continues to work to become has been enormous. What hope do these girls now and into the future have if they are behind the eight ball before they even begin? This is beyond disappointing. Um, another one is I'm a left-leaning guy but also a dad and an elite basketball coach involved with a club in Victoria. Um, before I voice out my opinions, I note that I wish to remain confidential, obviously, and don't use my name, which I'm not. Basketball coach and a girl dad, being the father of a two-year-old girl, I can say this is an insult to women's, women's sports. I'm all for the advocate, and I'm an advocate for inclusion, LGBTQ+, rights, trans rights, but this is not right as it sets women's sports back further. Another one, I'm involved in the women's game of football, soccer. Uh, I'm not allowed to speak up, but there are two trans athletes playing in football in New South Wales League One. I'm allowed to say anything about it because we, we receive funding. I've spoken to clubs who can't believe these athletes are allowed to play, but similarly cannot speak up for the obvious reasons. Another one for Basketball Victoria. So I've come to learn that there's already – uh, biological males playing in the Big V in the Victorian League um, that have already been approved. Uh, some in Mornington, so people have reached out there. So even though I brought up the issue a couple of weeks ago, I, I wasn't. I didn't realize that some have already been approved. So that's that's interesting within itself. Um, and I mean, the, the rest are just people reaching out saying, you know, really appreciate the support. You know, a daughter needed to hear that, that there's actually someone with a name and a standing publicly that's willing to support views that we hold in our household, but are too scared to to echo in public. So that that's the main reason why I wanted to have you on, Catherine. I, I wanted to just have this conversation for hopefully some young girls, some women, some 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 people that are kind of like I'm scared to speak out and can maybe find some courage. And I think that the more and more people that can, you know, respectfully too. That's the thing I'd say. Like I don't I don't blame the to an extent, this young athlete that's transitioning in in um, NBL one now. Now, there, as you said, there are a lot of people doing it for nefarious reasons to get into women's spaces for their own kinks or whatever. But I, I, I don't blame them to an extent where I want them abused or or shunned or or, or destroyed by people on, on social media. I think that's wrong too. But I think that the the admin and the coaches and the people that are pushing this, they need to feel the biggest repercussions of this and the wrath of the public. Um, and that's what this message is about. It's about making sure that we keep female spaces for females and 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 that if you have a voice that is not the public narrative, you, you, you're in the majority, Catherine. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we hear that argument that all of these you know, people who are trans-identified are being excluded and that, that is not true. They can go and play in the category that aligns with their biological sex. There's plenty of open and mixed sex categories. So, 
you know, that argument doesn't stand up. So I don't want them to feel that they're being excluded from sport. That's just um, a, a nonsense. So um, I think that we are very much in the majority. Uh, people are afraid that, you know, people just need to keep having these conversations on the sidelines, in your local clubs, push back. If you're brave enough, contact your MP, ring them, email them. This is the only way uh, that we're, we're going to overcome this. And sadly, Andrew, I think we're going to have to have our own Blair Thomas we're going to have to see some of our gorgeous sportswomen lose out to a man um, before some of these bureaucrats you know, really start to get behind supporting women and girls. And, and just to finish, that's that, this, this argument of like this is just a one-off, I mean, it's it's inch by inch. It's not, <laughs> exactly. And that's what people, I, I can't understand how people can't see that. It's like we're in 2022, if it's one per team or 10 in the league, whatever the number is, by 2030, it's double, triple that, and then it keeps going on. And then, you know, you might have a a young girl who's finally found a standing in community sport and isn't that good, but he's part of a team and it's helped her mental health, it's helped her physical health, it's helped her confidence. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, that that 10th spot, we're going to give that to, to, to a guy, essentially, or, or formerly a guy. Um, that, that's heartbreaking. And then that's going to be more than one spot eventually on each team. And we're, and we're seeing what we're seeing with, with, with male, you know, males transitioning to female sports in, in professional leagues now. It's starting to get out of hand. There's a surfer out in WA that just transitioned, I believe, to winning all the surfing titles now. Um, I think one of the best surfers in the world had, has, has protested and refuses to compete. I mean, there's, there's numerous different sports. I even spoke to just a – you know, I won't name who it was, a friend of a friend. And um, she was talking about playing cricket on the weekend and she's a pretty good pretty good uh, female cricketer and, and um, you know, gets to the crease and like, oh, this, 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 this girl's bowling with some pace. Like couldn't even, couldn't even get a nick on the ball, um, ended up getting bowled and, and came out and was like, man, that's a quick bowler. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a woman. <laughs> it's just, just bowling absolute, <laughs> absolute heat to this, to this young, you know, and this was a, a smaller girl. It was a decent batter and was like, what the hell? Like thought she was just not that good at cricket and had to be, you know, told that no, no, it's actually a, someone who's in the process of transitioning who's playing. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's a crazy time right now. I think we need to have these discussions civilly without the insults. And uh, for all the listeners, I'd love to, I would have loved to have Annalie Maley on and have someone contra our our thoughts and opinions on, on on what's going on, so we could actually have a healthy debate. But uh, in 2022, it's it's pretty tough. But Catherine, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I hope our listeners got something out of this and can find some courage. If you have young daughters or sisters or aunties, uncles, whatever uh, mothers out there, find your voice um, strategically when you can, and and try to save you know our female spaces and and our female sport. Absolutely, Andrew. I agree with you. And hopefully we can have a debate at some point in the future with some divergent opinions. Wouldn't that be a novelty? But thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks.